This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice. Hello, I'm Brian Scott. I'm president of Gourmet Foods International. What I love about the grocery business is the constant evolution, uh, the change in technology, the change in consumer preference, uh, both to gravitating to different channels and really the ability to, to navigate the terrain and, and come up with innovation and solutions to make food more approachable to guests all over the United States from products all over the world. You're listening to Grocery is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the food and grocery industries. Recorded on location. Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Rico. I'm on location at NGA, or the National Grocers Association Expo in San Diego, California. Very happy you're here with us. Also here with us, Mr. Sterling Hawkins, the uh, co-founder of CART, or the Center for Advancing Retail and Technology, and really just my go-to your sidekick for the show, kick. anyways. It's good or to be back. I might be your sidekick, actually. <laughs> that, that's, that's probably more realistic. Anyway, just trying to keep up. That's <laughs> right. Glad to have you. Thanks a lot. Uh, this is this may or may not be the last in our series that we bring to you, but this is the last one we're recording. And uh, I'm kind of delighted because uh, uh, sitting in front of us, which we'll get to in a few minutes, is actual food. Brought to us by our guest, Mr. Brian Cox, the president of Gourmet Food International. Uh, and uh, I, I asked for a little snack. And, I, and just for context, you know, uh, most of the shows at Mouth Media Network, yeah. which produces groceries, your business, we actually require the guest to bring a snack for everyone to share. That's not usually practical at something like being at a, a show, uh, you know, an expo yeah, like we this. We definitely should have done that. We, but it's <laughs> tough for people to do at the last minute. Yeah. But this guy had a whole bunch of food over at their booth, and I'm like, there's no excuses. And he was kind enough to bring a snack. Thank you very much. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And this is how we roll. You know, right. we, we love food, so we come, bearing, we come bearing food, and it usually buys friends as well. So You're speaking my language. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, uh, we're going to get to what your, uh, your business is all about in a moment, but I had an, an incredible um, – meat a salami or, or or something like sausage or something like that that had uh, uh pretty strong peppers in it it was uh it was very spicy and it was just delicious i loved it so much i had to stop myself from hogging too much of it from other people so um really nice stuff so let's start here uh you're a little bit of a different interview for us here at nga because most of the people we've talked to have been solution providers or e-commerce solutions or uh, leadership in the industry in some way or retailers and we're retailers and and um I, I don't mean to insinuate you may not be a retailer but um nobody that we've talked to has been a plain old cpg yeah uh, and, and and not plain old but i mean that that's really what they are and i get the impression that is primarily what you're doing well, our, tell, tell me how I'm wrong. Well, we technically started as an independent retailer over 50 years ago. That was we oh. started as 
literally called the cheese shop. You know, at that point, we didn't really have a marketing department, so we went pretty plain chain. Whereabouts uh, but, was it? Uh, it was in Buckhead, Atlanta, actually. Wow. And that's uh, still where our headquarters is. Uh, and we were in independent retail. So our, our roots really are in brick and mortar grocery. But uh, over time, as some of these specialty categories became more popular, some of the big chains were coming and asking for wheels of Jarlsberg and Gouda. And, and we started a wholesale business, which is what a lot of small independent retailers do and eventually said you know uh let's let's move into full-fledged import distribution of these specialty products so we completely got out of that and and now that's what we do we we are a we're bridging the gap in trying to uh compress the supply chain so that we can these products that are inherently more expensive because where they come from and how long they have to age and their import and tariff burdens that you know we want to take everything out of it so that it can be more approachable so that we have more bandwidth in customers so that it's not just people making over a certain income so it's a it's a very intense laborious um, and now the more infused with technology and, uh, you know, uh, things that we have to have legally to be FDA compliant. And a lot of these things that these small international companies, they don't have the resources that they have to outsource to us in order to, for them to become sustainable and to be, you know, be in small and large independent retailers. So there's a lot of logistics, a lot of technology, a lot of uh, data uh, components of it, but um, and and by the way, you know, you know, again, why we always come with food? It's all about the food, and uh, we really pride ourselves in finding and foraging these amazing products and making them more approachable from a price point, but also from from a marketing side. You know, helping shepherd these producers into the United States so that they can be label compliant and that they can sell their their, their products, and we can really rise the tide. I think that's phenomenal. I mean, so often we get lost in the technology and the business side of things. At least I do in this industry. But you're right. It really is about food. And good food can trump a whole lot of things. The stuff that you bring in, is it exclusive? Does it only come through you to come into the U.S.? or some And what's the the range of offerings? Yeah, exactly. So we actively inventory about 15,000 items from all over the world. Um, Some of those are domestic. Some of them are exclusive to Gourmet Foods International. Um, You know, people from abroad, small producers in southern Italy, you know, are scared about, you know, uh, sending, you know, $100,000 worth of goods to the United States and collecting, you know, you know, and, and they don't want to have a lot of customers in the United States, contrary to what a lot of people think. They want to have less customers and, and deal with people that have been doing this for a long time. P- people that can help them, again, shepherd them or be the ambassador to get their product there and to pay them promptly and fairly and, and uh, continue to help them grow in the United States. So many of these producers from around the globe want to be in the United States because of our scale and, you know, economic outpour of, of money for good food and, and, and good trade. Yeah. So, and so you've got cheeses, meats, olive oil, olives, breads, um, really anything specialty is where we hover. If it's hard to procure, if it, it's got challenges, if it's short shelf life, all the obstacles of, of securing a product, it makes it special yeah, that's that's what we handle, and it's uh, like I said, if it was easy, people would be doing it on their own. It's the hard stuff. But uh, how did you choose what to showcase here at NGA since you have fifteen thousand 
things. How did you, what did you decide? This is what people need to say. Cause so, there's a lot, I noticed a lot of, this wasn't everything. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no. There was a lot of cheese and a lot of meat, a lot of like cured meat. Yeah. And I'm sure you had other items too, but that was mostly what caught my eye. We really like, we like to target new and, you know, on-trend selections. You know, some of these cheeses, like I have this, this Gouda here from Holland. This is uh, Ripen Air, which is one of the most, here, you guys got to try yeah, it. So, 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 so sitting on our table here <laughs> is an actual cheese board yeah. with actual cheese for us to try. And there's, go ahead and describe as we sample. Yeah, so this Gouda, everybody's probably familiar with Gouda or in Holland, they'd say Gouda. It kind of almost sounds like you're. Uh, coughing something up there it was that was the, the true authentic way to say it but uh, the, this is a very special gouda that has been aged in a very traditional format for the same way for 200 years and it's affinaged which is, is a art of finishing the cheese and ripening it to its symphony and that you know it produces these little crystals and a lot of people say, oh it's salty well it's, those are actually tyrosine crystals it's a little chemistry oh. that happens once uh, the milk is transitioned into lactose and aged for a while, those little crystals form. And that really makes it special and a little crunchy. People are like, oh, I didn't know that Gouda was supposed to be crunchy. So it's a... It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's a, and it's got some really awesome flavors, uh, you know, uh, uh, that of maple and, and you know, uh, pineapple. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's a, it's really, it's, it's not your everyday. So, and again, as you understand, this cheese has been aged for a year. So they put this milk into a wheel format and they don't you know whatever it costs they don't get to recover that for over a year so the next cheese is a is a traditional um, grass-fed one-year aged cheddar and this is a non-gmo cheese which is also so you asked me about what did you want to select we're 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 finding you know cheeses you know their customers both generation z and, and and millennials and boomers and you know people that are are learning more about what they're putting into their body. So this is a non-GMO grass-fed uh, cheddar from Ireland uh, that is also animal welfare uh, certified. So uh, a lot of those things going on there that people really begin, you know, the, the more uh, people understand uh, about what they're putting into the, in, in, in the idealistics of the product is very important. It's, it's very good. There's a, I don't know any other way to put it. It's like a clean taste to it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like fresh. Fresh, yep. really fresh, clean. So... The food standards on both of these are very, very clean, fair, and uh, good, good products, which we really aspire for. Wow, that's really, that's really great. And we've got a third one here. Oh, uh, so we got yes. Oh, yes, we have a third one. So this is a goat cheese. Goat so cheese. a lot of people, if you say goat cheese, they think of you know the stinky animal, and they're oh gosh, no, I don't do goat cheese. Well, this is what I call a gateway goat cheese. This is a spreadable imported French goat cheese called Le Bon V. Uh, Le Bon V means the good life. and It's, it's, a, go, it's a goat way cheese. Yeah, it's a goat way cheese. I like that. I like that. I'll steal that from you. Um, but uh, it is really spreadable. This would be really good on bagels. This is good. Wow. On, we have it on a cracker here. Uh, a Peter, this is a cracker from England, actually, from uh, Peter's Yard, which is, it, you know, is a sourdough crisp bread uh, cracker, which is really unique as well. So you get a really cool cracker and this spreadable goat cheese. This goat cheese is so good on its own, but it really it does is. need a big vehicle to get it to your mouth. Yeah. So. <laughs> you call my hand. Yeah. No, but, um, you know, I could totally see. I love that you mentioned this on a bagel. I could see this as a, um, a perhaps more healthy option than cream cheese and you could fold into it different ingredients you yeah. know, figs or olives or you know yeah. 
with a scallions or something like that, right? I really love all three of these cheeses because they may not be your go-to. When people think cheddar, they're thinking more of a mainstream. Um, these these products are not priced out of the market by any means. They would be um, priced competitively with some of your your more pedestrian cheeses, but they are also, like I said, even the goat cheese. When people say goat cheese, a large population will shy away from that because they think they have a, 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 an association with it that may not be good. But I don't think, even if, if I hadn't have told you goat cheese, no. you may not even have thought that. I don't even know what I would have thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. You know what I love about it, too, is the story that's behind yeah. it. It's not chick just picking up a cheddar or a gouda or something else. There's all this legacy to it and how the animals were cared for and how it got here and how long it's been aged. And I'm sure there's families involved and, yep. you know, all the backstory. Yeah, that really Gouda great. has been made the same way by the Wingard family uh, for 200 years. And they actually have their their aging facility is almost looks like a barn. And they change the humidity and the temperature by opening the shutters on the floor as well as the, the sides of the wall, you know, to perfectly get that right temperature and that right wow. humidity. And that really comes from through probably about 200 years of good cheese and bad cheese. <laughs> Maybe I missed this, but how much of your inventory is U.S. made versus internationally sourced? And if you have international sourcing, how are unanticipated issues, let's say like the coronavirus, impacting, you know, your your sourcing? Uh, yeah. So about 50% of our working inventory is imported um, from probably a volume standpoint, but probably 60 or 70% of actual you know, financial uh, uh, contribution. So it's, uh, you know, our more expensive products because, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus at the time, right now as we sit, not impacting us too much other than uh, as we look out into the future, there's a lot of um, sourcing trips and big trade shows that we go, like the Chibis uh, trade show that happens every two years, and that happens in Italy. And there's a strong likelihood with recent events that that will be canceled. And a lot of, you know, there's a big contingency from the United States that goes there to source products. We have really important meetings with, the, you know, our longtime vendor partners. So that could be disruptive um, to us as we see that get into Europe and, and some of the, um, the challenges that that's producing. Uh, other big challenges in our space right now are some of the administration's issuance of tariffs, um, associated with the conflict with Airbus um, recently. So that Gouda and those cheddars right there, um, approximately a couple months ago, became 25% higher than they were a year ago. And, um, you know, so it's a, those are a carousel, carousel tariff that potentially could be removed at some point. But mm-hmm. having that happen to us right before the holidays during our biggest selling season was a little disruptive. But we honestly seem to have navigated it and it goes back to tell you that you know these really good foods that are produced fair responsibly you know they're really good that people will pay that 25 percent unfortunately was passed on to the consumer we don't know if it'll be there forever but that's one of the big things impacting our business right now yeah and do you exclusively sell through retail do you do anything online yeah so we're very diverse so we have a uh, our business is currently you know broken into kind of three different buckets, retail, which would be your conventional retail, your Kroger, your independent retail. We have a food service, which is restaurants, hotels, um, caterers, cruise lines, you know, that side. Our fastest growing segment is e-com. 
So um, this is where we talked about technology. So our biggest investments over the last year were really aimed at ma master data management, having a repository that can collect all of these attributes, GMO, kosher, you know, certified humane, all of this stuff, because you know, when you're shopping online, you get a digital asset to see. You don't get to see that or smell that or touch that or squeeze it. It, it, it is all, it has to be a gorgeous picture. You know, if you don't have yeah. a picture up there, there's a picture to be, you know, to be announced or something. Nobody's going to buy it. And then you have to have all of that, that that information and again these small producers that may only have one or two million in annual revenue would never have the ability to collect that data and then to feed it to our e-com platform which is you you know you can you know intuitively know you know the the amazons of the world a lot of our brick and mortar uh, have robust plans to expand their e-com whether it's click and collect or delivery or instacart so it's a, it, like I said, what I, when I originally started, what I really like about the grocery business is it's constantly evolving and, and we get to help these people to, to, to get their products to where they need, need to be, whether it's on the shelf or online. Well, you definitely need a reorder button. I can put some of these cheeses every week. It's in to your send cart them now. To my house. <laughs> we got to get in your cart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's, uh, once I, we do. It's funny enough, and I will have more, but I'm, I keep looking over there and say, how can I? How can I reach over there and get more of that goat cheese? <laughs> no, no, no. That was. A, I'm just saying that I, I sold me. You know. Um, yeah. uh, all right. Let me switch. Uh, you were kind of on this this track, Sterling. But uh, being here at NGA, of course, you're here to expose your brand to retailers that are here and and uh, and, and share what's new and the things that you're focused on and and reconnect with people and so forth. Um, but from a learning standpoint, what are you hoping to accomplish here? Because there's such an, there's so much information here, both in terms of solution providers, uh, innovation, and then obviously thought leadership. W what do you hope that you can come away from uh, NGA that can drive your business uh, to another level? Well, this morning I was I participated or I uh, listened to a contest or, or a, a recap from several universities that have food marketing programs, supply chain as well as food marketing. And I, they, all of these young students from the different, there's about seven different universities, had selected an item that they really wanted to stand for. And it was interesting to hear them, you know, some of them were sustainability, some of them were food waste, you know, to see what was really important to them because, you know, I, I ex explained this in one of our sales meetings that, you know, all of these millennials are now starting to have children. So, and uh, the millennials are very food forward, you know, so, so there goes the kids meal. I mean, and it's experience like, forward. Yeah, yeah, experience forward. Yeah. And so to listen to them, what products that they found that were inspiring and one of them was Gourmet Foods International, which were not even a product, but they really liked our stance in purveying products that were that are, are different and that have a cause uh, in many cases. And so it was uh, I thought that was really interesting. And I took a lot of notes to listen because that that's a that is very, very important. Um, you know, I and I wanted to I told one of them, you know, they, they all talked about sustainability. And one thing that I always say we do aspire and we've had the uh, really the reward of helping small companies 
live the American dream and get bought by big companies. And some people say, oh, that's too bad. It's, no, we welcome that. We did our job. And, but one of the things, what made them the number one rule that they knew, that they knew in sustainability is you have to make a profit. And, uh, you know, that's how you... In, turns out. Yeah, it's how it turns out, you know. And if you don't make the profit, you, you, you can't make it to the next step or, or to, to buy that extra equipment and stuff. And, and you can't be one of those businesses doing it right in the industry if yeah. you don't survive. And then there's more of them that are not. Yeah. Yes. So that's important to be profitable so you can yeah. continue to do It is. It, and sometimes it's a, almost a, I, I, uh, perceived as a bad word in sustainability because you know, we want to do this for the right cause. But if we really – we get to help get these products to market and that – once they get to market and they're, 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 yeah. we can get it in that basket, then it can become profitable. Yeah. And then they can, we can be that gateway to get yeah. these great products to people. All right. So uh, let's turn a corner here a little bit and uh, talk about you as a human being here, Brian, uh, as opposed to a president of a company. Uh, and I'd love to lead it off uh, by asking you, um, when you're not eating or sampling Gourmet Food International's offerings, uh, and you go out there and, and you, are you a cook? Do you do you like to cook? I like to eat uh, meals prepared by an amazing chef or cook. Okay. Uh, so what what would be reflecting back at any point in your life? What is one of the most memorable meals you've ever had, and what made it memorable? So we, on a personal side, you know. I and my family really enjoy traveling and, uh, you know, we like to go to places where we get to learn about the culture. Last week, literally, we were in Colombia, Bogota and Cartagena and um, it's beautiful down there. Oh, it was amazing. And the, you know, the, the culture and the museums and the people and the, uh, you know, so I like taste of place. And I have my, my memories of places are always when, it, you know, when you go to these places and they're so proud of what they do. And literally you can go 15 miles and then it's a completely different dish. And you, when you're in Italy, you say, if you, when, wherever we're at, we just, we say typical. Typical, you know, what's what's typical and they'll bring you what they're most proud of. And so I have so many great memories in, in this area in Italy. It could be these, you know, these anchovies. And in here it's this it's this pesto. And, you know, and that is, you know, it's part of, you know, obviously I'm in the food business and my family, we all share it. And so last week when we were in Cartagena, we had the ceviche that was literally the fish was you know, swimming, you know, two hours previous and this little restaurant only sat eight people, (laughs) you know, and you know, our Spanish is rusty, but, uh, you know, we know the right words and, and sometimes that's all you have to say is typical. And, (laughs) and, and that's all we did. And, and our meal was great. And, and, um, it was a great experience. Do you ever get to New York? I do. I do. There's a restaurant that the next time you get to New York, if you've not heard of this place, you ha- you have to go. Okay. It's called Anacheca Maria. Okay. It's on Staten Island, right as you get off of the Staten Island Ferry. And they only have, I think it is, around six or eight tables. Uh-huh. And what they have is they have a rotating team of nanas oh, wow. from different countries that is one per night with her sous chef working in a kitchen that you can see if see what's happening and she literally cooks all the food and like i've watched them prepare it and it's so authentic to yeah. just ridiculously authentic 
but it is such a special experience because it's those limited number of tables. Yeah. But what's why I thought it would appeal to you is because each chef is bringing their own unique yeah. take on things. So it's largely Italian food, but then there's also food inspired by what their country is. Uh, so I recommend that. It's it's uh, it's a pretty neat place to go. Well, it cool. appeals to me, too. I've got to go. Right. Yeah. Next time yeah. I'm in New, New York, York, we'll all have to go, <laughs> right? We'll go. Absolutely. For sure. So I've, I've got a question in keeping with the food theme here because I feel like it's only appropriate. Do you have a favorite food? Uh, I, I it's, you know, it's uh, my favorite food really, it, it, it changes almost with the season or where I'm at, I, I do truly like to, to have, you know, when, when in a, you know, again, going back to Colombia, we went to this, they're so known for their fruit. So we went to the market and we bought all these different fruits and, you know, I, I asked for everyone, wrote them down. I love the, you know, the, the, the culinary opportunities and the place that I'm, I'm at and it just changes and it's hard for me to dial in one, uh, particularly my my mother's meatloaf. If my mother's listening, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, we'll, maybe we can isolate this moment and share it with her so that she can hear that. <laughs> right. How great would that be? <laughs> Out of everywhere I've been in the yes. world, the one thing I know. <laughs> there you go. How can people connect with you, Brian? If you'd like to invite that, and and obviously with Gourmet Food International. Um, you know, we, we have a, a website uh, that if, you know, you're in, in the in the trade, uh, we are typically a B2B, uh, so restaurants, retail uh, platform. Uh, we don't do a lot of B2C other than through, you know, Amazon is a, a big, if you if you shop online and ha- want to see any of our products, uh, you, you, you can get us online and on that platform, but uh, uh, www.gfifoods.com. All right. Well, uh, Brian Scott, the president of Gourmet Foods International, thank you and your team so much for you being able to be here. Uh, Thanks, we really enjoyed both the conversation and the foods themselves. It was really a nice way to cap off our experience yeah. here at NGA. It thank really you was. Much. I'm going to yeah. dive into this cheese. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for having me and the great uh, restaurant recommendation. I look forward to you checking bet, it out. You betcha. I'll send you a link. All I'll right. Send you both thank a you. Link. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. A big thanks to NGA for partnering with us to be here. And thank you to you, Sterling, for uh, for joining on the mic one more time. I'm glad we got to brick bread together. Thank or you, cheese, Mark. Or cheese. Yeah, anytime. So, all right. Well, uh, that's it for this episode, everybody. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day. Until next time, take care. This has been Grocery is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.